gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nate and Gorgeous George and Goes are back here on a Sunday night for your early Monday morning delivery. We're going to talk about UFC on ABC3, also known as Ortega versus Rodriguez. It took place this past Saturday morning slash afternoon out in uh, Long Island, New York. And honestly, it was really, really a fun card. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the aspect of waking up at 8 a.m. Well, more like 7.30 a.m. for an 8, 10 a.m. start, and then just getting it over a little bit earlier than usual. Not that I had some crazy thing going on Saturday night, but I'm sure other people do. I lead a boring life, but had I had plans, I could have I could have uh, done both. So I'll do more of those. This is what I'm trying to say, and we're going to talk about that here on the show, along with all the results from the fight card. And, of course, all the news that pertains to the fight card, new storylines, new narratives because of the wins and the losses, along with some accompanying latest news uh, that, you know, stuff that was broken on the broadcast. There's a big fight that was broken on the broadcast and then a lot of the stuff that comes from the Dana White post-fight press conferences. He hasn't been at the last two or three, so the uh, reporters got a chance to talk to him here. And catch up a little bit. We'll be right back. We'll go top to bottom on UFC on ABC3. We really, really enjoyed it. Unfortunate what happened in the main event. But here we go. Raikos, unfortunate what happened in the main event. Or are we not giving enough credit to Yair Rodriguez? who slapped on an armbar as Ortega was fighting it and getting out of it, his shoulder popped out. It's it's almost being described as a random freak injury, but I'm not sure that it wasn't just due to him kind of getting caught, you know, and, and in the process of defending, that's when the shoulder popped out. And so maybe more credit needs to go to, dare I say it, why Rod? Oh no! Yeah, don't say it. Um, yeah, you're right. I think that he was already past the danger part of the armbar. Now right, it was just, now it's just yeah, you're holding onto the arm to not allow Brian to get up and land grand and ground and pound or something, you know. So I think he was already out of the danger of the submission. It's just the shoulder popped out, and it's unfortunate. But I will say that. You know, Brian Ortega was talking about how he had that fight under control and he was dominating it. And I didn't see that at all. I, I thought he was doing pretty good. Um, but I thought it was a close fight. Yeah, he said he dominated or he felt like he was winning every minute of it. I think they went about four minutes before the freak injury or the uh, submission to the to the arm bar, which you're right, goes the the elbow gets bent back and the elbow was safe, but the arm, so the arm did get caught and there was just enough torque on the shoulder that the shoulder popped out. He says he's had previous shoulder injuries, 
but not that type. And when he says popped out, I kept thinking, oh, is it a dislocation where now maybe he can be back sooner rather than later? Or is it a torn labrum, which now that I know he's had, and he's been out before up to 12 months. Many fighters have had it, actually, and they've been out up to 12 months, and those definitely stuck. Yeah, Cain Velasquez used to get that. Um, yeah, it does mm-hmm. suck. That's that's kind of a long wait, which really makes things interesting. I mean, this this uh, these three divisions, Bantamweight, Featherweight, and Lightweight, are so exciting. And I think we spend the majority of our time covering the sport covering these three divisions and then the rest of it's just kind of like ah thanks for being around you know but you don't hear that much going around from heavyweight you don't hear that much going around in light heavyweight middleweight welterweight it's these three divisions dude that i think dominate the headlines yeah true i was thinking as you were talking maybe maybe welterweight is uh, about halfway halfway between the other mm-hmm. the big three of middleweight light heavyweight and heavyweight and then the three you described which is bantam feather and light but yeah, I get what you're saying, and honestly, I don't even know if I finished my other thought. So, uh, Ortega did say he felt like he was winning every round of those four before the accident, and upon rewatching it, uh, man, not enough credit is being given to Yair. He had some really, really nice one-twos, straight rights, jabs, front kicks, uh, calf kicks, and I'm not saying that he was blistering Ortega because Ortega also got his. But what I'm disputing is that Ortega's comment of I felt like I was winning every round. I wouldn't agree with that at all. Yeah. Um, I, in fact, we don't even know how the fight plays out if it goes into the deeper waters like we all thought it was. We're just disagreeing with that assertion that he made. Um, I guess it doesn't matter at this point. And Yair Rodriguez could possibly fight for a title, although we know a broken hand needs to heal on the champion Alexander Volkanovsky. So he may have to take another fight. She said he was open to whatever Dana wants. Oh, man. All right. I'll tell you what he wants. He wants money, and he'll go to it wherever he can, and he'll run through any fight. He'll jump on the top of a fighter's head to get to the next biggest fight unless you kind of put up some sort of a stink. Even then, who knows if it matters, to tell you the truth. But uh, I just don't like hearing what I, whatever Dana wants. Tell us what you want. In fact, I know Dana wants to hear what you want as well. That's what helps create stars, and stars is what he votes. But so he could do that. Or maybe he faces Josh Emmett to get to have a clear number one against Alex because Alex will be on, gone for a while. But then Alex, at the same time, when he saw that Oliveira and Islam Akashev was made, he says, I want next. No, 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 Alex. Don't work that way, man. All yeah. respect. You are a killer. Yeah. One of the top three pound-for-pound pound fighters. But you have not cleared out your weight class. I don't think you can do that. I think you need to give one of these two a shot. I don't like the idea of Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett because I don't like a division to not have a clear number one. And in this case, that might happen. Although Bryce Mitchell, Arnold Allen, Moslar, Evolev, those guys are 49-1 and one between the three, and they're slowly creeping around the corner. So who knows, man? One of those could be a star soon. I, I know I said a lot. Go ahead. Why don't you tell me what you're thinking? Well, if you do Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett, it would just be so confusing to have them fight just like that. I mean, without an interim title? I mean, come on. You know that's what they're going to do. You know that's what they're going to do. All right? Volkanovsky could have a little a little crack in his hand. 
And they would say, oh, we got to make it for an interim, which I just disagree with. I don't think you need to do that. It's going to happen. I'm telling you, that's exactly what's going to happen. These two guys are going to fight for an interim belt. Winner gets Volkanovski. I promise you this will happen. Well, I hadn't even thought of that. But notice I didn't go, you're crazy because they, they do, do I am crazy. Shit. I am crazy. I'm batshit crazy, George. For saying that, I'm batshit crazy. But because the UFC plays these goddamn games with us, it kind of isn't crazy. It should be crazy. What I'm saying is stupid. But it's going to happen. Right. And here's the thing. One, th- I, I'm going to look towards the positives. If they do it, which I agree with you, they shouldn't. Because I don't think Volkanovski's got the type of injury that'll keep him out that long. But if they did it, luckily the winner usually gets a direct shot at the undisputed unless that guy gets hurt while winning the interim. And he he or she gets pay-per-view points and they fight the champ. So there is that kind of a benefit that's kind of nice. Um, I think combined with him insisting on, I want to fight at 155 when, I, when I'm healthy and and uh, the injury, who knows? Yeah, you're right. They might do that. I don't know. Uh, I hadn't really thought of that possibility, to be honest. Uh, Emmett looked a little banged up, but then we talked to him, after, you know, about two weeks later, and he said, no, nah, man, he was all cleared, and he sounded like he could fight by the end of the year. Yair, I mean, he couldn't have gotten too hurt, right? I know he had a cut underneath his eye, but it looked like he could be ready to go as well. So... I don't know, but I just don't want Volkanovski to move up just yet. Other than the fact that 55 is so, like, clogged up. Okay, so they give the news in the middle of the broadcast. Charles Oliveira will defend against Islam Makashev. Two things went through my head. A, they made up with Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira apparently was looking for a bigger payday. He was entertaining Conor McGregor. And I kept thinking, well, no, you should fight Conor McGregor when you're champ and you're getting pay-per-view points again. So let me clear a couple of things up. When he fought in Arizona, even though they, I guess, stripped him or he vacated, whatever, he got pay-per-view points for that title defense against Just Aging. Awesome. I'm happy for him. Then they asked Dana White at the post-fight press conference, would he get pay-per-view points against uh, Islam Makashev? And Dana said yes. He kind of gave a little bit of an impression, like, uh, uh, let me check. And he goes, no, no, yes, yes. So it sounds like to me, Oliver's good. He's going to get his pay-per-view points. It's just that they decided on Islam Makashev. And the reason they decided on Islam Makashev, I think, is because McGregor wasn't ready to go. I bet you they entertained it, though. But McGregor's Ooh, yeah. probably not ready to go till the end of the year. Now, a couple other things. Uh, Makashev was in trouble for hinting that he would fill in, I think it was RDA, Fiziev, like it was a couple weeks after he had just fought, and I, something happened where I think Dana White was like, No, I'm gonna make him fight Dariush. Like that didn't sit well with him. Well, he's out of that little doghouse, and now he's fighting. Do I agree with it? Well, not really, because he hasn't beaten top contenders just yet. He's got an impressive 10 or 11 fight win streak, an impressive overall record, and he's like, He really does look like the real deal. But I'm more impressed by Benil Dariush's five fight win streak and his fighting style, and the fact that he's mixed it up with some of the best in the division already, whereas Makashev, he still needed that one last test. But regardless, that's done. Who does that leave out uh, off to the side? I don't know, but I know I heard some stuff over the weekend 
from others that said it looks like McGregor, when he does come back next year, is maybe linked up with Chandler. And so now I'm thinking Darius versus Poirier sounds good, but I bet you Poirier's hanging in there just in case he fights Nate Diaz. But then again, Nate Diaz, it seems like Dana's playing games with him. I don't know. First, yeah, it sounds good for him to fight Big Paul. Now he's like, no, but I've been offering him fights. Then Nate Diaz says, no, you haven't. You haven't offered me a fight in nine months. I mean, it is a complete mess at 155. And for someone to go, hey, what about Volkanovski? I honestly feel like just grabbing them and throwing them off a cliff and going, I don't need another name right now. You're going to give me a migraine. Because it's unnecessary, right? It doesn't prove anything. There's no reason to do it. There are people battling underneath the champions in both divisions. Well, 55 doesn't have a champion, but they kind of do. But I think what you laid out, should that play out, I think that's what's fair. All right? The title fight is set. I agree. Why not? Michael Chandler? Sure. Conor McGregor? Make that happen. All right? That's going to be a little bit later. And that leaves Dustin Poirier and that leaves uh, Benil Darius, right? I'm okay with that. I think that's a solid matchup. Maybe a Nate Diaz somewhere could slip in. Maybe he fights Poirier, you know, in a perfect world, but but I don't know. Um, and then if Benil Darius takes care of Dustin Poirier, then there's just nothing you could do, man. That, that guy totally deserves it at that point. I mean, I think he already does deserve it. But, man, I'm going to peel back the curtain, George. I had some ice cream earlier, and I forgot to take my lactate pill. And as we speak, I can feel anybody that's lactose intolerant, when you have milk, dairy, I can feel my body growing, like my stomach. It's really hard right now. And there's nothing you could do about it. Like, you can't fart. You can't crap. It's really uncomfortable, man. Okay, so do you want to suspend the show? And there's nothing I can do later. <clears throat> oh. man, there's nothing. That, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable. Goes for the rest of the show. I'm very uncomfortable right now. Yeah. Did you know this was going to do it to you? Yeah, but I just forgot to take my pill. So why don't you go take your pill? Well, no, you have to take it before you eat. Oh, oh the damage man. is done. I know. The damage is done. It won't even mitigate it if you take it late? It shouldn't. I've never done it just because it says it won't, but I'm almost willing to, to try it just for shits and giggles. But that's the part that sucks yeah. is there's nothing like – I would take – like if they said, okay, you're an idiot. You're going to be a balloon. You're just going to be farting left and right. All right. At least like it goes away, but I can't can't even do that. I'm just – I'm literally growing – like this, like my stomach is going like this, bigger and bigger. How did it stop? Eventually, yeah, I'm going to blow up. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll just power through the show and hopefully goes uh, has, has a few episodes here live on the show that we can all well, double it. I, I, oh, farts. Um, but yeah, I, I like the way how that plan would play out. I think that would be fair to everyone. So let's say it's Benil versus Dustin, and maybe Gagey already had his nose fixed. He, him versus Fizia, if they're joking about, hey, nose job versus nose job. Um, if Nate Diaz is out of the cold, but he's willing to fight at 170, why do we have to give him Hamzat Shemaev? I don't I, – I mean, yeah, I know that the UFC wants him to lose on the way out and blah, 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 but – 
Dana said two things. We don't keep guys hostage. And then the other one was, oh, man, maybe he should go fight Jake Paul. Well, then just get him out of there. Like, you're saying positive things that you normally don't say. Give the guy an offer and get him out of there. Or are you teasing Michael Chandler and possibly trying to hold Nate over until it's him versus Connor part three? In which case, that ain't cool because I think Chandler wanted to fight sometime this year. And mm-hmm. he says he shut. He said on his own that he was shut down to the beginning of the year. That's why I was speculating that between that and me hearing Dana say, "Oh, Connor's going to come back probably in 2023 because he wants to have one of those Forbes years," then I thought, okay, that pairing was starting to make sense. I don't know, man. I Dustin versus Nate would be nice. Um, Nate doesn't really want to go to Abu Dhabi. I, I'll take Benio versus Dustin. In you know anywhere it doesn't have to be in Abu Dhabi. The nice thing about Abu Dhabi is we have a fill-in in case something happens with Makachev and Oliveira. Oh George, come on, that will never happen. It just happened, folks. We just had a case. You, you're gonna tell me that if Oliveira doesn't blow it again, you know they wouldn't just go, hey bro, sorry, that's the second time. Snap their fingers and in comes Benil Dariush to fight Islam Makachev for the title. I don't know. So I'm trying to cover all the bases. I don't want disappointment. Yeah, that's kind of a weird situation because I, I don't understand why people are so quick to take sides. Because Diaz brothers, come on, man. They say crazy shit. I get it. They're probably pretty hard to deal with. Dana White, on the other hand, is no saint, and we know that. He's a businessman. They both probably said some dumb shit, right? Um, I think they're both probably at fault. But the thing is, the one thing that Dana or that Nate Diaz says that I believe is he wants to fight. And I would find it very, very hard that the UFC couldn't make that happen if they wanted to. So I, I do believe they are holding him hostage to a certain extent. And But I don't blame them. That, that's been the recipe, right? That's what Dana White does. That's, he's a businessman. That was the recipe back when the UFC felt like they had opposition. They're so far... And clear number one in the sport, and they're really a successful sports league, sports franchise, whatever you want to call them. That you would think that now it's like it's almost like back then goes when Affliction and Strike Force and the uh, Elite, what was it called? Elite FC, Elite FC, yeah, XC, yeah, Elite, Elite XC. That's right. I knew it didn't sound right. Even Pride, it seemed like Dana was dating the captain of the cheerleaders. But the captain of the cheerleaders would flirt with other guys, and so therefore he kind of like had to like make it tough for the other guys, you know, like to not be able to wink or smile at at her or whatever. But now mm-hmm. it's like, bro, you landed, you you landed her, you landed her. You're a great couple that has been together for twenty years. Nobody's even let, all the other guys moved on or they died or whatever. They're they're not even there anymore to steal her from you. Like she is yours, you know. You you got the number one. Like you don't need a counter program or nothing like that. So in this case, to a guy that sold a lot of pay per views for you and it's getting so ugly, you're saying all these positive things. Give him the fight. Him and Poye will be a great fight. I don't think it'll stink. Just give him the fight or get out of this whole thing about Enganu or Adesanya. Which, to be fair, Dana said, "How do you expect me to react to that?" So I don't know what Nate's saying. But that or the possibility of Shemaya, like I, I you know, it's just it's just dumb. At some point we gotta we gotta call these people out sometimes. I, I I love saying nice things about the UFC. I think they crush it every weekend. 
They're very interesting to watch. They always put on a good show. We'll talk about the, this card and, and how many exciting highlights we had from it. But, bro, why do you guys have to do dumbass shit is what I want to ask them. Why do you guys do well, some of the dumbest things out there? Like the NFL, when they do dumb things, it, it, it doesn't seem like it's planned. Like they just do stuff and then you go, what were you guys thinking? And then they try and figure it out. But these guys purposely like to do dumb things, and I don't get why. Um, it's funny the scenario you brought up because back then, Pride, Strike Force, and you know, Bellator was just starting. But you didn't want to lose fighters to those guys. You didn't want to strengthen their leagues. I think the UFC is far beyond that now. But what they have done in the midst of all that is they've brought the enemy within. Now their enemy and what they're battling are their own fighters. And Conor McGregor kind of started that. Granted, the UFC gave the fuel for that fire, right? Everybody wants to make that type of money. Everybody wants to hold the UFC hostage when they can. And that's the thing that people don't talk about, right? Nate Diaz talks about being held hostage. But you can't tell me for one second that if the shoe were on the other foot, he wouldn't do that back to the UFC, right? Jorge Masvidal kind of did that, right? He was able to, to capture the UFC at a bad moment and strike. So they're not shy about doing it to the UFC. And so the UFC is mm-hmm. not shy of doing it to them. And there's a, there's a couple of these fighters on the roster that are going to do that, right? Francis Ngannou is another one. He kind of is in the midst of one of these battles with the UFC. Um, so now the enemy is kind of within the UFC. And I think the UFC tries their hardest to kind of stop them a little bit. But at the same time, they just created a monster. Once they did that with Connor, other fighters wanted it. And they found ways to strike and do that. Well, despite all that, it's still only an 80-20 split, apparently. When you look at the financials, people have done deep dives into it and... To me, the UFC still seems like they're pretty safe. The bar is that they've passed the bar, and I think big, big days, even bigger days are coming for the UFC. I'm not crazy enough to go, you know what, Dana's right. They're going to overtake soccer. No, they're not even going to overtake basketball, much less football, much less soccer. But um, but they're going to continue to get bigger. And 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 I'm happy for it because I'm part of MMA in, in a sense. So mm-hmm. that's good for the website. That's good for a radio show. That's good for you and I. I get it, but you know, like, there's a way everybody uh, can be happy. I think so. I there's think a so way well. where where the UFC and Dana White can make a lot of money, but maybe they just don't give a Nelk boy two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right? But they still make money. They still make a lot of money. There's a way that everybody can be happy. And if you look at like. You know, the opposition boxing was a lot stronger before. It's kind of died out, man. Like, I'm a huge boxing fan, but I'll admit, it, it's it's hurting. It really is for creating new stars and 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 just keeping their names out there. Like, when's the last time you saw a, a commercial featuring a boxing guy? You know, other than, like, Canelo or, you know, every now and again, Triple G or something like that. You, you just don't see them out and about on TMZ or anything like that guest hosting on a show you just don't see like i saw michael chinley the other day on the what's that show the mass singer or whatever yeah i don't know man like uh there just isn't that opposition from boxing anymore they're not much outside of the squared circle i mean a tyson fury interview is pretty entertaining um deontay wilder on sirius xm with our pals you know that at the fights that could be pretty fun 
But yeah, it's it's kind of I don't know, it's kind of dry. You just need to watch the fights. Uh, Canelo's kind of funny to tell you the truth a little bit on social media, but I I would have preferred he, he he tried to do too much too fast and whatever. But he does fight, man. He fights and that's that. Um, going back to Dana White, no one asked him by the way at the post fight press conference about that that gift of the two hundred fifty thousand dollar cash gift to the milk boy. I was surprised. Now, look, in defense of the media, when it's your turn, you feel like you got a few questions, and maybe if there's time you ask that one or you think someone else is going to ask it. Um, but, yeah, I was surprised no one asked them, like, what were, you th- what were you thinking, you know? Like, what was all that about? Um, but I, I, I think I know where he was headed because somebody asked him, hey, we kind of missed you at International Fight Week. He goes, yeah, that's because I was on vacation. And so Dana has a really, really good way of letting you know, if you follow up on that, I'm not going to play nice. And um, because the obvious follow-up would be, we get that you were on vacation, but this is the biggest week of the year for the company, so it would seem that that's the week you don't take the vacation. Or further to that, you could say, yeah, fool, but the Hall of Fame title fight, you know, your part where you wrap the title around the waist and you're there for the fans that come out to the expo. Hello, you're one of the biggest, like you could be the dick and says all that, right? Or you could kind of be respectful and we're still a little confused. I mean, you live and die for this stuff. You can vacation any any um, week of the year. Like, I, you know, I know he does this 4th of July thing in Bangor, Maine. I, I get it. I've seen him do it on other occasions. But this fight card was on the 2nd. So even if he wanted to spend 10 days in Bangor, Maine, he I think he could have at least flown in goes for um, the title fight. You know, the title fight, you fly in on the 2nd in a private jet. They got that shit. Fly out. Nobody would have missed you. You still would have been there in time for the fireworks. But I think what happened was what I heard behind the scenes was there was a scheduling conflict. It was going to be the week after it had already made his plans. And I get it. You know what? Because there's a way to share these things with, with people that wonder these things because he's a big star. Hey, look, I made these plans. I committed to my family. The flight, you know, I, I try and do less of them because of the year. I don't know. I think a lot of us would have went, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. But he, he, he comes off a little bit abrasive. And after that, Nobody wants to like follow up. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I, I get why people are like that. Um, I'll be honest, dude. Like he's such a big figure in the sport that at the end of the day, we're there for the fights and we want the fights to be entertaining. But it, he did feel like he missed, like you did kind of miss him a little bit. You did. We want him there. You know what I mean? Like the fighters yeah. want the belt to be put on by him. Um. Imagine if there had been a new champion. Like, that would have been pretty special, you know, to have the president do that. I mean, that's kind of what you think about. You think about him and Rogan interviewing you. You've said that you've heard the fighters say this for many years. But, you know, I would tell him this. If I swear to God, if he gave us a two-hour interview one day and we could, like, expand on each subject, I'd go, Dana, all right, we I know you got this tradition, this vacation. You don't seem to like this question very much. But if that was Nate versus Connor in the stadium, would you have also said, oh, yeah, that's because I was on vacation? Fuck no. He would have been there. Yes or no goes. Right. Yeah. 100% he would have been there. He just didn't feel like it was big enough. You know, he's super rich. He's been to a lot of these. 
but I guarantee you he would have been there for that one, or maybe even Ngannou and Jones in the stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the vacation doesn't doesn't stand either. Like, you know, I I I don't know that that's the bizarre thing to me is like, so is it just not as big of a deal? Um, who knows? I don't know. Whatever. I don't want to harp on. It. Let's 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 focus on the fighters, on the people that that uh, performed this weekend. So Rodriguez gets the win over Ortega. Who knows what's next? Let's find out what Alex Volkanovsky wants to do after he heals up. Uh, I think Emmett with the five-fight win streak is definitely clear and above Rodriguez with the one-fight win streak. I'm not trying to say it like that to be a dick. It's just that I do feel like when you're popular and you are, you know, you, you have some cachet within the company, it should be a tiebreaker. For example, if Rodriguez had a three-fight win streak and Emmett had a five-fight win streak, then I'd go, well, yeah, Rodriguez will sell better. Let's do Rodriguez. You know, three versus five, I could see that. But one versus five, he just lost his last fight. Like, that doesn't seem like a tiebreaker to me, you know? But again, this is where others go, it's a business, you big dummy. And I'm like, all right, I guess it's a business. If it's a business, then why don't we just have um, jean Lee and Rose fight over and over and Nate and Connor fight over and over and Ngannou and Stipe fight over and over. Why? Because it's a business. You know what I mean? Like, why don't we just have the same rematch over and over? We don't because at some point it's ridiculous and you have to reward the others because guess what? They may have a great fight too. I always say, wow, Santos, Jones, split decision. Oh my God, we got to run it back. We can't. Santos has these injuries. Ah, oh, shit, damn it. That was a classic, man. He took him to a split decision. He might have been the one that gets John Jones. All right. Let's do Dominic Reyes versus John Jones. Guess what? That was a classic too. But we wouldn't have known that if if Santos was healthy and they ran that back. Therefore, you don't know if Emmett versus Volkanovski might not turn out to be a classic. You don't know until these fights happen. Yeah, we're. I mean, this isn't Forbes Radio, right? Like this is MMA Junkie Radio. They want it to be a sport. You got to kind of act like it. Now you can fudge it here and there. Had Yair wanna, went out there and just looked tremendous, then you'd probably all go like, all right, we get it. You know, all right. It's not right, but hey, people are left with this impression, right? On on free TV, this maniac went out there and did that. Just give it to him. That we could stomach. But even then, like this one didn't really end that well. We didn't get to see that much of it. So it would be pretty shocking to me if they gave it to him, but uh, it's the UFC. You never know. <clears throat> yeah. Co-main event, Amanda Lemos defeated Michelle Watterson. Lemos uh, submitted Michelle Watterson via a guillotine choke that at first seemed to confuse everyone, including the referee, who I believe was Kevin McDonald for this fight. And... I think Watterson, once Lemos let go, I think Watterson, she said, hey, what's going on? Since the fight hadn't been stopped, she may have been able to talk the, the ref into it. Then we saw the subsequent replays, and you could tell there was taps. It looked like, honestly, both hands were tapping. But Watterson was a sportsman. She was honest, and uh, that was the end of the fight. So Lemos bounces back from that standing arm triangle that she received courtesy of Jessica Andrade a few months back. Um, I thought that's up for submission of the year, by the way. So she she bounces back from there, gets the win. Good for her. As far as Watterson, you know, her time as a title contender, I think, has been done for a while now, but this just pushes her even further down. Is she sellable? Definitely. A lot of people enjoy watching Michelle Watterson, but 
she's just come up short against the good fighters in her division, and she's made a living off knocking off probably 10 through 20. She knocks them off, but then when she gets through the, the top 10, she comes up short. So there's nothing wrong with that. She's got a major title over at Invicta, and she's been doing this for a while, and I'm not suggesting a cut because if she wants to continue fighting, keep on fighting. But, you know, she's just she's not, she's not up there anymore. You know, this card was interesting because, I mean, I thought it was great. But it got to the last two fights, and it just kind of slowed down a little bit. This fight had an ending, but it was a little slow at times. And I think it's interesting because, you know, we saw Felice Herrick retire, right, not too long ago. And Michelle Watterson, she was on that same show, Fight Fight Girls or whatever, back in the day. She's been doing this quite a while. And then you have Misha Tate, who we're going to get to eventually here on this broadcast. Um, it's just the sport is just like we're we're losing. Not that Michelle Watterson and Misha Tate are on that same level. You know, Misha's a former champion. She's done the Ultimate Fighter as a coach. She's, she's done a lot of things. But we're losing these names that we're used to seeing, used to having around, used to pairing up. And I don't know that like Amanda Lemos is as sellable as either one of these two. You know, some of these names that we've been saying. A lot of these fighters. Uh, first tier are starting to go away. And even like second tier, like uh, girls that came around like Tisha Torres, right? Like even they're kind of like getting towards the end of their career. I don't know that we've really been able to replace them in women's mixed martial arts the way we have in the guys. And even the guys, I think, are, are falling a little bit short. So we'll have to see what, what's what's going to happen. But you're right. Like she's not going to challenge for a title anytime soon. But at the same time, like how long do you want to pay her? to be there doing that. Right. And I don't remember the whole breakdown of how it went down, but I know Jessica Andrade and Amanda Limos did headline a <laughs> UFC fight night over at the at the Apex. Um, I'm not sure if they were the original main event or if they became the, the main event, but neither one speaks English <coughs> other than probably the couple phrases, you know, a tourist learns to get by. And so the exam, and, and I'm not shitting on them. They're good fighters, both of them. But the thing is, with the UFC, what you always want is name value. And so if you hear Andrade versus Lemos, you know, UFC Fight Night, well, I'm just making shit up. UFC on ESPN Plus 63 or Fight Night 52 or whatever, Lemos versus Andrade, you might just go, huh? Uh, who else is on the card? You know, like you. You may even pass up on it. I want to go for free. I got a ticket. Well, Lemos and Andrade, who, who else is on the card? Um, And then you start here. You don't know. But if you hear Tate versus Watterson or Tate versus someone else or Watterson versus someone else, you might actually go, hmm, their name carries a little bit of value still, especially Tate. And that's where Lemos and Andrade and anyone that's like them need to get better at. Um, even nicknames, I, right? I, I say communicate. Communicate better work on that you can and uh and and you know you you'll have a better time i guess not getting leapfrogged for title opportunities even nicknames when you think about it walkout music right if, if i go hey misha tate and you go who's that again cupcake you know cupcake walks out to that katie perry song like they have things that identify them uh karate right. hottie you know like I just don't know that some of these other girls have any of that. I agree. 
Or how about Li Jing Liang, the leech? I love that nickname, but he like has this charisma, even though he doesn't speak a lick of English. He has some charisma too. And and by the way, goes, um, I didn't I heard a little bit of booing, but not a lot. I, I was surprised to see the flag, but I was also happy to see the flag because you can't make that event political, even though China, you know, obviously in the last few years, they've become uh a fierce, what do you call it? Not a rival, but it's a country that I guess we've had problems with. Mm. Um, this has nothing to do with the leech. I like the leech. I cheer for the leech. And when he was holding up the flag and I saw the fans holding up the flag, that's pride. That's their national pride. Those people have nothing to do with what's going on. So I was happy to see that, but the nickname worked. You know, the nickname worked and he had some charisma. And I think some of these fighters could do a little bit better than that. Andrade has warmed up to me because she's like a little mini Vanderlei Silva. She's won the title. She had that beautiful slam. She's fought in three divisions. Amanda Lemos, I think I could warm up to her too, man. But just for starters goes, you know what her nickname is? Amanda Nina. Amandina, which means like little Amanda. You know what I mean? And it's like, that. what kind of a nickname is that? I, mean, I, I don't really understand that nickname. Like, I'm not George, Georgie Garcia. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, it, when you see that Inya, it means like, like Bill, Billy. Uh, you know what I mean? Something like that. Mike, yeah. Mikey. So Amanda, um, Amandy, Mandy or something like that. Amandinha or something like that. It means like little Amanda. I don't know. She just, I, I really like her as a fighter, but I think she just, somehow we just need to warm up to her in a way. And, and having, showing a little bit of charisma usually helps. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, Li Jing Liang. So I started talking about him. Him and Muslim Salikov was fun, dude. Salikov's spinning back kicks, head kicks, everything that he throws is is really, really a blast. And I really like Li Jing Liang's hands. Too bad he got manhandled by uh, Hamzat Shemaev because that kind of set him back. But this fight was really, really great. Uh, it wasn't fight of the night, but. I'm just glad one of the guys got a finish because as you'll see at the end of the show when we go over this, finishes were very, very lucrative. So congrats to Li Jing Liang, but Muslim Salikov, his stock didn't drop too much. He usually tires a little bit, but he didn't this time. I mean, of course he was tiring, like every fighter I guess would in a fight, but um, not the huffing and puffing that I'm used to seeing. So just all I can say is solid fight between those two in the feature bout. You know, the there were a lot of really, really good fights on this card for different reasons. But it's funny because when you have one of those early in the night, you have to sweat it. And literally, like, every fight that would come on after, you would think, oh, my God, you know, Puna Soriano comes out there and gets a knockout from hell. And then he's got to sweat the next guy, the next guy. But when you get to that co-main and main event, you always think, man, those are the guys that kind of steal it. And those, those top two fights were the ones that just didn't really deliver so i was glad the, the bonuses went out the way they did i mean dude you're on abc you got you got the yellow jackets that didn't fit i don't know who they did that fitting for but um, you didn't like them huh? i loved them but they didn't fit like they, they didn't even come close to fitting it looked like when i used really? to borrow your clothes to look cool in junior high like i, I just, just didn't fit what was the problem? Too tight? Too loose? Too what? The shoulders weren't where they're supposed to be. The sleeves were too long on some of them. They just they didn't do like a fitting or something. 
Probably, I mean, more than likely, yeah, they didn't do a fitting because they surprised them on the on that broadcast when they pulled them out, you know? But don't they ask them their regular jacket size? Like, because they're bringing in other suits, right? I, they must have eyeballed it or something, but that, that just didn't look right. I think Felder's was, like, okay, but the yeah. other ones weren't, weren't too good. All right. Matt Snell and Sue Mujeri. I know I'm butchering his name. What a fight. That one went back and forth. And, you know, speaking of RDA versus, uh, and we brought that up last week, RDA versus Fizia, remember we were thinking, like, man, man, that was, like, on the shorter leash of when a, of a fight, you know, how long I can go, or even earlier in the night with Dustin Jacoby and, and that young guy when Jacoby just kind of walked off. This is what I like fights to go a little bit longer than they should. Um, <laughs> Matt Schnell was... You could argue maybe he was out on his feet, but what do you expect, man? If you're getting socked up, you don't expect them to just kind of like smile right back at them. I mean, yeah, it hurts. So you're shaking it off, but it also doesn't mean like, oh, oh my gosh, you don't know anything, you know, because you have to know something. Otherwise, you wouldn't have the instincts to fight back. And so they let this fight go long enough that he came back and he got the submission um and good for him i couldn't be happier for him he uh took a tough loss a few months ago and then got right back in the saddle like if you recall his last fight was what two months ago he fought um bon brandon royville. and yeah brandon royville may 7th man like that that's like two and a half months and he's right back at it gets the win he's having his second kid gets the 50 grand for being a finisher and no sorry 50 grand for fight of the night. But Dana says because he was a finisher, he might write him something extra as well. Plus, he gets his win and his show. Tremendous for Matt Schnell. Now I would like him to take a little bit of time off because those two fights were very, very violent. Mm -hmm. And now he's got a little bit of money. So I'd, I'd like to see him maybe stand down just for a bit. But he also threw out that he wouldn't mind fighting in New York again. And New York's coming up in November. So whatever. Yeah. Maybe that's why the UFC shies away sometimes from the, those types of bonuses because, yeah, it does make a fighter want to stay out for a little bit longer. But Matt, Matt Chanel doesn't strike me as that guy. I think he probably does want to get right back in there. He deserves it, man. He's a good kid. He's a good fighter. He improves. But, fuck, that was a crazy fight, man. Like, my stomach was just I, – I couldn't I – couldn't, I couldn't imagine being, like, friends with one of those guys or something watching a fight like that. It's got to be up for comeback of the year, right? Oh yeah, some people were comparing it to um, Pat Barry and Chick Congo. It, it did have a little bit of that type of feel, or even Edgar versus Gray Maynard, which technically I, I came back to be a draw. It didn't come back to be a win for one, except uh, this was a title fight, and Edgar went home home with the title, so it, it felt like a probably a win if you get to go home with the belt. But it was technically a draw, but still, it was one hell of a comeback. Here's the only thing I didn't like. I'm I love for the UFC to write extra checks. They got the money. The fighters deserve it. The fans went nuts over it. I would have given fight of the night to Burgos and Jordan because I thought it was just as equally a, a fun fight, and they went at it. And then given the bonus to Schnell for finishing. This way, Mujari and Schnell, well, Mujari did tear, tear his ACL, so it's great that he gets the pocket 50 Gs for being you know, one half of the fight of the night. But now Burgos doesn't get one because he won, but he didn't finish. And I thought Burgos 
was pretty amazing, man. Like, I mean, he took some shots in that third round against Jordan. Luckily, he doesn't enough work in the first two rounds, but that fight was pretty damn entertaining. So if you're going to reward the finisher, reward the finishers first, and then go see if there's a fight of the night. Now, I'm not saying you're forced to, to find a fight of the night because you don't have to if you've given away that many finishes or if you want to double someone up and go, you know, we didn't have a great fight of the night, but that Schnell fight was pretty pretty sick. And you want to double them up that way, that's fine too. But I, I would say start with the finishers first. He barely survived that third round, dude. That was that he was taking some shots. It's so funny when you go back, like you gotta look at the referees. Referees have personalities just like everyone else. And some of them let it go farther than than others, but there were some badass shots in round three that were landing. And he's lucky he had a two nothing lead going in. He gets knocked down a lot, too, but his chin held up, man. He took knees, elbows, punches, kicks. Like, he hung in there. And I was actually pretty happy that he went to a ground-based attack early on because, like I say, he, he's, he's got nice stand-up, but he also gets hit a lot, you know what I mean? And Jordan definitely is no joke. But in the third round, I'm thinking you probably bagged the first two. Arguably, the second one was a 10-8. Play it safe, you know, and then he goes out there and he's throwing and, you know, it seemed like fighter IQ was like out the window. Jordan, like I say, almost came back and got the win. He didn't, though credit Shane Burgos. I hope he gets some sort of a discretionary bonus because he deserved it. So did Jordan, to be fair, but whatever. Uh, Lauren Murphy defeated Misha Tate. This was the first fight on ABC3, and it was a unanimous decision, two 30-27s and a 29-28. Misha um, made weight. First debut in the UFC at Flyweight. She's fought at Flyweight before. That's why I phrase it that way. And, but she looked a little bit slower. Like the, I, I noticed there seemed to be a lack of explosion. Um, and so I don't know if the, the cut drains her or if she's just adjusting to the weight, or maybe I'm not giving enough credit to Lauren Murphy and she just got going so much that Misha just always looked like a half second behind. This one's a hard one. I think Lauren Murphy did really fight well. I thought she looked really, really good. But you never know. Like, even, I don't know if you noticed, but when she was in the prep point, Misha, she went over and she saw her kids and she gave them a big hug. Like, even little things like that. But you're right. She just seemed kind of flat, kind of slow in this fight. And that's not really uh, something we see too often out of Misha. We did kind of see it, though, one time before where it looked very familiar to the way she fought against. Raquel Pennington, she just mm-hmm. kind of didn't have it that night. And you could see in this fight, she just she just sort of kept getting hit with the same punch over and over. Uh, right. But Lauren Murphy looked really good, and, and, and you have to kind of, like, believe what she said, that she just was not feeling well for that Valentina fight. Now, just because she had all that doesn't mean that, that uh, now we all believe Lauren can beat Valentina. Um, she could probably maybe have put up a better performance, but... I still don't think she beats Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, but I like that she has that chip on her shoulder. I think she felt a little disrespected that everybody was going, if Misha wins, she gets Valentina, and I think she probably heard it. Yeah, her last fight was the Valentina fight in September 2021, so this is her first win, and that's why you saw her not necessarily campaigning for the immediate title shot because she just fought her, Um, but that's a huge skin to put on your wall, defending Strike Force and UFC Bantamweight champ. And yeah, with Misha, like when the, if the striking doesn't seem to pop like her jab or whatever, then usually she can go to her wrestling and her wrestling's more timing based, but she just had these efforts that were like 
so far off that it, it just seemed like it, it gave a bad representation of the fighter that, that I know that she really is. So who knows? It could, like I said, it could be that early start time, new weight, um, or just half a, half a step and be half a half a step behind that hesitation that Laura Murphy didn't seem to have is what made the difference. Plus, she got huge mouths on her eye early on, and I don't know. But who's ever going to question her, her credentials? I mean, she's a, a for sure Hall of Famer once she hangs it up, and I'm glad that she's just trying stuff in her career, like debuting at, at Flyweight. She was at the Yankee game today, even with you know the big bandage that she had on her eye. But I do want to give Lauren Murphy her props. Like She had a great game plan. She had a great fight. But I love the fact that what everything she said on the mic, I gave her a 10, man. I thought she did great. She says she's going to go to Paris, and she wants to be cage side because the UFC is going to Paris, France for the first time. Well, France for the first time, I should say. Bellator's already been there a couple times, but this is the UFC's first voyage. Um there and and so that's the one that's got Cyril gone and tied to Ivasa for the main event but they got a pivotal fight in the women's flyweight division of Kaylin Chukagian versus Manon Firo um and i you know mostly everybody's looking at Firo if she were to win she could possibly challenge Valentina Shevchenko Valentina by the way is up in the northwest going to rodeos having a good time still training but because that Talia Santos is injured and she can't go right away, they may have to choose from the winner here of Fioron. Well, from Fioron, if she were to win, or Valentina might also have that option of Juliana Pena beats Nunez. And let's say Nunez retires or whatever, she may want to go up. Like Valentina's got options. Misha, okay, that went away. Fioron, if she wins and looks good, that's a possibility. And then Pena, if she beats Nunez. Maybe back up to Bantamweight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot that can happen there. Yeah, and then when Santos gets healthy, then she can come back. I mean, I, I'm I'm I was getting some comments that said um, she's going away from Santos. I'm like, well, not necessarily. I mean, she just fought her. She just fought her, and she came back and won. And and Santos fought great. Don't get me wrong, but I, you can't really say she's running from her. The other one's injured, and you know, it's just. Jesus, she just she just won. Like, let her go on vacation and figure it out. I don't know. Fans can be so uh, unreasonable sometimes to talk to. Punaheli Soriano defeated Dalcha Langyambula. A nice KO there. Uh, Langyambula was was game, man. He was game early on, and uh, he was throwing some heavy artillery at Soriano. But Soriano came back, hit him with a nice cross right on the chin, then a hook, and then a couple more shots on the ground and that was it and then that dude went crazy afterwards he dry humped the fence he was giving himself fake money shots from the monster can and uh i don't know what else he had going on but everyone laughed along with him rather than at him he was just funny and good for him huge huge win and you know i i've been open with puna about this i'm like Dude, you you we all know you hit hard. We all know you got that wrestling, and then just that cardio. Keep working on that. You know, he he showed me that he really has worked on that cardio because he didn't look like he was huffing and puffing like I'm seeing him in other fights. And uh, so he's really starting to round out his game. He broke that two fight losing streak. He definitely took a step forward because you're right. That fight wasn't going his way. By the way, did you see that guy's rib? 
they they showed that later on. No, had, I saw I saw DC talk about it, but I never saw it. Yeah, yeah, it had popped out. Um, and I'm not saying that's what led to what happened because Puna had landed that punch before earlier in that fight. And it was just a matter of him getting to it again, and he did. And when he did, he capitalized on it. But yeah, dude, Puna's so likable, you know, he's just like a giant kid. And uh I don't know if you saw the the video that Eric Nixon posted later on where he's kind of yeah, scolding him. That was so funny, man. Like I, I really think uh I really feel like Puna Soriano took a step forward in this fight with the fans. Yeah. Ricky Simone gave Jack Shore his first loss. He defeated him via submission. Boy, that guy's just a motor. I mean, he is nonstop. He really is exciting. I hope he gets a big fight because I think he's one of the bantamweights and needs to break through. There's a stranglehold of all these legends like Aldo and Edgar and Cruz, you know, along with the the other top guys like Sang and Jan and and sterling but this guy needs to get an opportunity from one of those guys um to make his way to the top because he really really seems to get better and better and and like i say i've always felt like jack shore was the top uk prospect coming up i mean he's only got one loss he's like 16 and one so i'll still stand by the fact that he's one of the top guys but this night wasn't his um bill algio defeated herbert burns i thought herbert burns quit but then we're hearing he may have torn his knee um and then he was very very emotional it looked like in between rounds he just didn't want to do it but then every round or well every time the fight either found itself back to its feet he attacked well and got the fight to the ground he just couldn't hold position and he almost had the fight early on against Bill Algeo, but it just didn't work. So it just seemed like he kind of broke, but it was a weird process because like I say, he would perk up, fight, and then all of a sudden break again. Um, let me go through a couple other results and then you can pick pick one you want to talk about or all of them or whatever. Dustin Jacoby beat Da Ong Jung, KO punch, uh, kind of a walk off there. I think Jung kind of popped up like The Undertaker and could have kept going. I don't know. Uh, Dustin Stoltzfus defeated Dwight Grant. I didn't really like that fight too much, honestly. De- Emily Ducati defeated Jessica Penne. That fight was kind of interesting. Penne um, was a gamer because I thought she was going to get blown out, but yet in, in round three she was thrown back. So good for her. I was a little concerned because she came out with tears in her eyes, and I thought, hmm, late 30s, tears in your eyes. Uh, Tell me something like this could be it, but no, no gloves came off. She took the loss like a woman. And that's that. So anyway, uh, any thoughts on any of those fights? Yeah, the Algeo fight, I thought that was so interesting because the confidence on that kid, Burns was taking it to him. You know, he had him in a really rough spot, and he just had this confidence that I'm good. Like, I'll, I'll get out of this. And not only that, just completely switch it on him. And um, you're right. You know, you go back and forth between what's really going on. Is there an injury? Is he just extremely tired? Was he mentally broken being that close to probably winning a fight and having it taken away from you? Um, but that's kind of one of those shots that you'll, you'll never forget is him, his brother, Gilbert Burns, you know, carrying him out of yeah. the cage. Um, that was pretty that, – that's a shot that I think we're going to always look at in mixed martial arts. Yeah, and I did want to throw that out there about the knee injury because, you know, uh, Su Mujari, I guess, went in with a torn ACL and fought. Fighters have torn their ACLs mid-fight and still fought, like McGregor against is it Holloway, I believe. Holloway busted his ankle, and McGregor tore his knee, and they still fought through. There's different severities and degrees of um, knee injuries, 
So we don't know what was happening here. And I don't know Herbert Burns, but I know Gilbert Burns. I got a lot of respect for Gilbert Burns. Um, so, you know, let's just see what, what that family, what, what happens and or whatever. But like I say, at the time, I was like, well, what's going on here? Like, I was a little concerned. It, it seemed like he was kind of wanting to quit in the middle of the fight, but yet he'd pick himself up and, and then become a monster again for a moment or two until Aljo was showing what's up. But whatever. Um, the fight, so the fight of the night, like I mentioned before, was Mashinal versus Sue Mujari. And then the performance of the night went to Amanda Limos, Li Jing Liang, Puna, Puna Heli, Soriano, Ricky Simone, Bill Algio, and Dustin Jacoby. So all finishers goes. And that's what we've been promoting on Spinning Back Click or on this show. I think they should stick with it, man. If you finish, you get a bonus. Chale. Yeah, I like it. I think they deserve it. Me too. Um, any final thoughts before we get out of here on either the card or any of the other news that you feel like we uh, should have touched on? Uh, for being a free card for the ABC crowd or that casual fan that we we feel may pick up, you know, watch the broadcast and maybe become an MMA fan, I thought it did its job. It's unfortunate what happened in the main event, but that doesn't happen all too often in the sport when you think about how many main events go off and how many times things like this happen. It doesn't happen too often, uh, but boy, were they entertained all the way up until that moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll save some for this. Uh, go to the front page of MMA Junkie. There's lots of stories there, um, including from the press fight, from the post-fight press conference, Dana White was asked about Jake Paul, and Dana White said, well, why isn't Jake Paul fighting the guy that just knocked out Rockman instead of Rockman? So Rockman, who's 12-1, and one, a proper boxer, Big guy, too. Uh, Dana was kind of giving some shots back at Jake Paul, but Jake Paul came back blasting. He called Dana White a turd, and, of course, he was focusing on Nate Nate's contract situation. So if you want to check it out, we always kind of have a history there of what's happening between these uh, Twitter spats or whatever they are when they go back mm-hmm. and forth either on social media the press conference. Also, shout out to Nolan King. He covered the event, but during the week, he also kind of gave an update on Cain Velasquez and everything going on with him. Uh, just no bill, man. The guy's still behind bars, but he kind of kind of gives you an update on what's going on with that case. So you're just going to have to scroll back because this past weekend was pretty busy putting up a bunch of stories. And the last thing I wanted to say was Daniel Cormier. Looks like he's going to be in a TV show, guys. I think it didn't look like he's the lead in it. Yeah, something like that, man. It looked pretty big, big news. I think it was... Something similar to a show called Warrior that I caught. I watched a few episodes of Warrior, and I thought it was pretty big back in the day, but I guess it, it's a play off that or something similar to that. So good for DC. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it from us. The only thing we can do here is keep goes another few minutes, and maybe he'll blow up live on this show, but we can't do that to old goes. How you feeling, goes? Not good. <laughs> All right, we're out, folks. Thanks so much for your support, as always. Um, this week's going to be big with one championship, Bellator and UFC, also Cage Wars and Big It's going to be huge, so keep it locked on MMA Junkie. Catch us both on Spinning Back Click this week. Check it out. And, of course, always follow us on social media. I'm at MMA Junkie George. Goes is at the goes, and we're out of here. Go out there and be a champion. <laughs>